0: It is 10 years now since one of sport's most celebrated, controversial, and combustible figures turned up in a city of vaulting ambitions to manage an underperforming football team. One Saturday in the middle of May 2011, Al Wassel, a Dubai based club who were fourth in the nascent UAE Pro League, posted pictures on social media of Diego Maradona at their club. Wearing diamond studs in his ears, a denim cap, a blue striped polo shirt, and a winning smile, Maradona looked every bit the happy tourist as he traded in braces with club officials wearing crisp white candoras. The following morning, a simple press release announced Maradona had accepted a two-year contract to manage Alwasso. This was a world away from what Maradona was used to. His previous job had been as manager of his beloved Argentina. That had ended in the sort of tumult that followed him around everywhere he went in his storied career, in front of a TV audience of millions at the World Cup in South Africa, And now, 10 months later, here he was in Dubai, far from the scrutiny of football's mainstream attempting to rebuild his second career in football, that of a coach who wanted to be taken seriously. I'm Paul Radley, sports writer for The National, and along with football correspondent John McCauley, we'll be looking back at that time when Maradona mania arrived in UAE football. Okay, John. 10 years now since El Diego became Al Diego, obviously turned up randomly in in UAE football. The, the, well, I'd say one of the world's biggest stars, probably the most preeminent name in the whole of football, I'd say, even though we're talking now about his coaching career uh, rather than his playing career, but he's one of the hugest names in, in sport. So what, can you remember of that time,
1: that the moment you, that you heard he was coming to Dubai? Yeah, well, that, something like that sticks in the mind, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. When you say used to random things in Dubai, we certainly were, but this was on another level in, in terms of local football and, and probably sport, to be honest. So I was working for another publication at the time and we were about a stone's throw away from Zabeel Stadium where, where Diego ended up rocking up. Yeah, so just about Zabeel Stadium, that's,
0: I think I was looking it up, just over 8,000 capacity. It's Maradona coming from his previous position was as Argentina manager Obviously, being Maradona, it ended in uproar. About uh, just the previous year at the 2010 World Cup, when there were 60 odd thousand people in the stadium watching Argentina against Germany, uh, millions watching on television. And he's coming to a ground, a club with an 8,000 seater stadium. Wasn't always full before that, was it?
1: No, not at all. They actually struggled to get to get fans in, even though football here in the UAE is, is the number one sport. Obviously, it's with, with with locals, with Emiratis, but. The night before, there had been rumors circulating. There were a few pictures that Maradona happened to be at the Sabail Stadium. He was getting a tour. That was the pretext that he was there to check on the club. Obviously, you know what it's like. You get these luminaries are invited by by board members or high ranking Emiratis to have a look around and 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 see what the sporting landscape's like here. So these pictures were doing the rounds. But at the time, we didn't really cover local football at all. Our focus very much would have been on on Premier League. So. We would have been reacting the next day to Manchester United winning the Premier League. And and we'd heard that these these pictures were circulating, but we weren't too sure what was going on. Kind of brushed it off as much as you can brush off Maradona's in Dubai. And then the next thing we get, an email from a PR company on the Sunday saying, Diego Maradona is the new Al Wassel manager. Of course he is. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it, living in Dubai at the time, with the the sort of voting ambitions that there, there were in terms of everything really, but obviously architecture most most strikingly. Having incredible things suddenly happen out of thin air wasn't too much of a shock. But I think in football terms,
1: this probably was, given the state of the league. I think it was third year of professionalism in the league. So Maradona came in, in the May, or was announced in the May, and that was less than three seasons it had been professional. So there was um a period a real period of transition where the people who looked after the league and the football association were basically trying to to push the league outside of the the local community. And obviously you know what it's like in Dubai and the UAE, there's a large expat community. And they hadn't really tapped into that market. So, do you know, what better way of doing it than than getting Diego Maradona in? Somebody
0: that everybody would know, yeah. It, it goes beyond a famous footballer. He's a
1: he's a world name of world sport. Yeah, yeah. Like proper kind of come-again moment, you know, like what's it, Maradona managing in, in the UAE. As you said, you know, less than a year beforehand he's at the World Cup with with Messi in his squad and Tevez and Veron, and next thing he's he's rocked up at, at UAE Pro League side who were fourth in the league at the time. The league was just finished. That season was just finishing, I should say. So before that, kind of the, the milestone moments you would have had, Fabio Cannavaro came the year before, the Italian World Cup winning captain, obviously, to play for, for Al Ali. You had George Weah back in the early 2000s, was Al Jazeera, former World Player of the Year, so a pretty big name in itself. But those guys came in basically to finish their careers. You know, the, Weah was 37. Tanavaro was was let's be honest, he was looking to make some money and and kind of see out his career, but this was Maradona who, as you said, his time at Argentina had ended pretty tempestuously. You know, it wasn't wasn't a good finish, and he was looking to resurrect his career. And you know, what better place or what stranger place yeah. to do it than the UK?
0: Yeah. Do you think uh, how much did that play into his thinking? Do you think because do you think he'd have had many chances at other clubs because he's gone from Argentina, one of the leading
1: teams in the world at the World Cup to would he have had offers from anywhere else I'm not too sure look you've got to remember that he really got the Argentina job because because of his reputation as standing you know national icon so so it wasn't it certainly wasn't on coaching credentials he had managed two clubs before that. And that was back in the mid nineteen nineties, and not with any great success. That's incredible, really. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, totally. So then he's he's obviously thrown into this job with the national team. Didn't go very well in in kind of Argentina terms. They've got high expectations, obviously. So he probably came here with with a point to prove, you know, very much. So and you know he could maybe maybe this appealed because he could take this job and it was away. It was far from the fray. It was away from the limelight to a certain extent. Away from the mad crowd. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So. Maybe that just ticked a couple of boxes and he thought, I can come here, kind of resurrect my, my coaching career and um, let's see where it goes from there. He signed a two-year contract, so he's obviously very hopeful.
0: Yeah, cause, uh, yeah,
1: can you just explain that? Like, how, how much does a two-year contract for a manager in this part of the world mean? Well, to give you an idea, right, so the managers didn't tend to last very long, put it that way. In, in the UAE, uh, there was a huge turnover of coaches right from from the professional era struck especially whenever all these clubs are trying to find their way and, and trying to become a more professional outfit. So in the three seasons, or just less than three seasons, that the Pro League had been professional, there were 45 coaches had managed the 16 teams that had spent half a season in the UAE top flight, which is incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. So, do you know, it's this really capricious environment. Things are changing all the time. Contracts, as you said, you, you would look at a two-year contract, especially with Maradona and his past, you would think, is this really gonna gonna last the two years? Back? Maradona's coming to a volatile management environment. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so yeah, but again, you know part of a push of of the club getting its its name out there? you know if if you want to raise your profile, no better place to do it or no better person to do it with than Diego Maradona?
0: Yeah. So the league itself was struggling to not not struggling to come to terms with professionalism. Obviously, there would always be teething problems in a in a situation like that in terms of getting administration, management, and things like that in place. In terms of the actual f- football on the field, he came to the country when football here was actually at a very low ebb. In terms of the national team, this was 2011, it reached its lowest ebb ever in the FIFA rankings, dropped to hundred number 130 in the world from a high of 42 back in 1998. Um, Shrekka Katanets was the coach of the national team at the time, just in the process, soon after Maradona arrived of being replaced after the team lost to Lebanon and Kuwait so it was a low ebb. but is it fair to say that they're obviously with the advent of professionalism in terms of the running of the league and also some
1: good young players coming through that there were shoots of optimism in the game here at the time? Oh well, there definitely were you know there was a lot of time and effort and resources put into this professional shift or this this shift into the professional era so you know as I said the, the clubs and the league were very much thinking how do we broaden our horizons, how do how do we raise this profile? And, you know, the, Cannavaro was certainly one of the additions to the league that would have piqued interest. But that, you know, that doesn't even compare on the scale of, of Maradona coming in. And just to give you an idea with with Al Wasso, just just to set the scene in terms of who they were, Al Wasso were hugely successful in the nineteen eighties and, and early nineteen nineties. So they would have been the lead club in the UAE, a bit like Liverpool would have been in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. But they'd fallen on hard times. So in that period that I'm talking about, they won the league five times. They won numerous cups. So they were very much, as I said, the the top team. They last won the league in 2006-2007, and they did the double with the President's Cup, which is the most coveted cup in in UAE football. So, So they were on this incredible high, and then they just basically dropped off a cliff. So results went pretty steeply downhill. They weren't a success off the pitch as well. And so Maradona coming in, was very much to give the whole club a lift, but the club needed a lift as much as Maradona did. And as I said, it was you know you were you were taking a punt really on this name as opposed to someone with with a good coaching background.
0: Yeah, I think that was a good way of explaining Al Wasl for people without an understanding of football over here. And we're talking obviously within the parameters of UAE football. Al Wasl be, being a bit like Liverpool basically. So when Maradona came, it actually pitted together the player of the century. Voted for by FIFA and he was joint with Pele in that. And the UA's club of the century, actually, as was agreed by the International Federation of Football History and Statistics. So they, they were a top club but in UA terms, but a sort of slumbering giant at the time. Fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, you know, that's that's the whole reason of, of bringing Maradona in. As I said, it's to give this real kind of injection of excitement, of interest, to give you an idea of where the club were as well the manager before that was a guy called Sergio Farias. who's was a little known Brazilian. Obviously you've just laughed there like the name doesn't exactly stick out, does Not it? Quite such a striking persona. <laughs> <laughs> Who the complete opposite to Maradona in terms of had didn't really have a a playing career as such. You know, he hasn't won a World Cup or the Serie A a couple of times there or whatever, but had a decent managerial career in in Asian football. So that was the reason he was at Al Wasl then, but he had agreed or the club had agreed that he would move on a month before Maradona was coming in. And the club were were very constant with, you know, we've had a South American in, we want to go down the European route. We're looking at a European coach to, to again, give it a lift or, or to kind of change direction slightly. And then in that month, they do the deal to sort out that Diego Maradona is going to going to be the new manager. And from then on, it's it's scratching your head and what's this
0: going to be like? So we should find out how that move actually came about from someone who was close to the deal, Riyad Chautry. John, tell us about
1: Riyad Chautry, Who he is? Yeah, Riyad's a, a brilliant guy. As as you saw, whenever we sat down to interview him, Riyad was working with Al Wassel at the time. He was collaborating with them to help with. They were looking to revamp their academy. They decided that they wanted to improve grassroots football. They wanted to improve the academy, and where best to go than than Barcelona's La Masia, which which obviously you know very very famous academy, that unbelievable track record, youth development. Lionel Messi, just, just as one example of who's come through there. So Riyadh is Algerian Spanish. So obviously he speaks Arabic, speaks Spanish among the he was speaking to us are, in his fifth <laughs> language. He wasn't too bad at it. Yeah, he's very much putting us to shame. Riyadh was, was tasked with, with helping get the guys from Lamasia, a couple of the key figures there, to get them over and into Al-Wassel, as I said, to, to really oversee how they were going to improve their academy in a very, very big way. So I had first met Riyad back then, Riyad then became very, very good friends with Maradona and as you said, he was, he was there the moment the, the fax arrived, saying would you like to, to take Diego Maradona to your club?
2: We were sitting with, uh, with the president of al Wasl Football Clubs when the fax, with the proposal uh, of Diego as a, as a future coach uh, for al Wasl Club came. So we're sitting together and we said, okay, it was a big wall and we said, uh, what shall we do? So, shall we do it? It was uh, the big question of, uh, of, of the president uh, of the club and, and he was delighted and uh, it was, yeah, when you see some, some kind of offering and interest, as a, I imagine as a president of a football club in the, this area of the planet, say uh, interest of Maradona, it's really flattering and it gives a lot to... Uh, it's impressive and it gives a lot to think about and you try in a few minutes, in a few seconds to, to do a projection uh, toward the future, how it would be, how it... So uh, and no one can imagine how it would be exactly so until, until we went into it.
0: So Riyadh says, shall we do it? And as history shows, they did. They plumped for Maradona to be their next coach and they had to put lots of different things into place, including managing the PR game. We caught up with the guy who became for us definitely the the voice of Maradona, I think it's fair to say, Tarek Al-Shirabi. Can you describe what Tarek's role was
1: in this time and, and at the club? Yeah, so Tarek was managing director of a PR company that was appointed by Al Wassel pre-Maradona, in fact. With Al Wassel looking to become more and more active among the media. And that was, you know, out with UAE media as well. It was trying to raise its profile internationally. So Tarek was was looking after the PR and, and wondering how to move this project forward. And then next thing, he he finds out that he's going to have to look after the news and break the news to the, to the world, basically, that, that Diego Maradona was coming to Albuquerque.
3: I literally got a text message from the chairman saying, listen, we need you to be ready because we're appointing Diego Maradona as our head coach. Of course, when you receive a text message like that, you uh, at that point in time, of course, you have to definitely question every single word in that in that in that text I, I looked at it probably 10 times i probably read it 20 times i checked that it's the right number <laughs> i'm like i called the chairman i him, i just received a text message from you saying that we're you guys are appointing diego maradona just wanted to confirm if you're feeling okay and you know, he's like yeah, yeah yeah we're appointing diego maradona but this is a very very sort of hush hush just please uh, be ready um, to at least start the process of thinking of how we're going to do this, because he's going to be here very soon. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I'll uh, be on standby. Thank you. And yeah, that was it. Very brief call, no information. Uh, left me in awe for like the whole day. I couldn't tell anyone. Can you imagine how hard that is? Uh, and then and then the next day, he called me up and he told me, listen, it looks like he's going to be here in a week to do sort of like an introduction, to find, look at the to talk to see if we can reach an agreement to look at the grounds it's nearly there but just also uh, hush hush for now we can't involve the media but you need to start thinking of how we're going to after he leaves get some exposure and i think maybe even part of it was to put some pressure on him as well to make a decision quickly their plan was from in my perspective was to show him that being in dubai not just in al-wasil football club would be a very nice experience because the itinerary they did for him, the way the, where they took him uh, and the way they hosted him, uh, I mean, if, no matter who it is, they would have taken that job.
0: Okay, so that was Tarek El-Sharabi saying how easy a sell it was for Awassal to get Maradona on board. I think it was definitely a love match, you can, you, you can <laughs> say from the start. Um, but from that point onwards, you had to worry about getting Maradona into the country and getting him settled. Tariq himself actually, by chance, became the Arabic-to-English translator. Maradona, wherever he went, needed uh, Spanish-to-Arabic and ideally spanish to arabic to english translator, so, which is how we came into contact, and more importantly, how Maradona came into contact with Mohamed El-Nagar.
1: Yeah, so Mohamed, one of the nicest, most unassuming guys that you could meet, who, whenever he was recounting the story of, of meeting Maradona or any story with, with Maradona... Do you know, he was just, you could tell how happy he was and, and that real affection he had pictures with Pictures immediately to hand on his phone, hasn't
0: he, of all the time. Some of them are beautiful pictures as well. The one of Maradona in his blue candora. Oh, yeah, superb. And one's
1: Maradona at the Desert Safari. And... One with the Pope, obviously. Yeah, as you do, <laughs> meeting the head of the Catholic Church. Um, yeah, so Mohammed, to bring it back to, to how he first met Maradona, Mohammed was working as a trade advisor, believe it or not, at the Argentine Embassy in Abu Dhabi. So Muhammad gets a phone call from his boss asking him, "Could he go to Dubai Airport to welcome a VVIP into the UAE?"
4: In the beginning, the embassy told me there is a big, a famous uh, footballer, football player, ex-football player. He will be in Dubai, and I don't know who is it. And uh, I was uh, preparing to go, but in the same time, I saw in the newspaper that uh, Diego Maradona is arriving to Dubai. I suspect. Is it the same person? <laughs> so in that time, I refused. No, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's very, very big uh, image for me. So uh, the embassy sent with me uh, my colleague, Teresa, to be with me uh, in the receiving Diego. But uh, once Diego reached to the airport and he found me speaking uh, in Arabic, he selected me. He told me, please, can you be with me? I told him, no, I am from the embassy and I am living in Abu Dhabi, not in Dubai. And uh, uh, just to help you in the first day to accommodate your stay here from the embassy. So he told me, don't worry. I have my big house here. The club gave it to me and this room will be yours.
0: (laughs) So Mohammed made mention there, the fact he was staying at a hotel next to Maradona's villa which was on the Palm Jumeirah in Dubai. And the hotel itself was at Jumeirah Zabil Sarai, uh, amazingly plush hotel. Well, sort of standard Dubai fare, really. Amazingly plush hotel on the Palm. And that was actually the first place us in the media got our first glimpse of Maradona.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, eventually, belatedly, Maradona arrived. I think he was about an hour and a half late. But, but you know, the, nobody was, was going to leave that, that press conference room, that ballroom yeah, it was. Detailed which. detailed was... to cover Maradona. No, he's a bit late, I don't think. I'll bother. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> and the food was very good to remember as well. Right, so despite rocking up an hour and a half late, Maradona then treated the gathered media to an hour of, of just quote after quote, really.
2: <laughs>
1: and In that hour, he, he riffed on the challenge ahead with Al wassel, obviously. Uh, how he felt ex- as excited as when he was appointed the Argentina national team manager, which says a lot. He laughed off suggestions that, that he had become the second highest paid manager in world football. The rumours were swirling that he was maybe earning between $10 million to $35 million for his two-year contract. The only other person that was supposed to be earning more than him at that time was Jose Mourinho at Real Madrid. Maradona give it a wry smile and, as I said, laughed that off. And then... He lambasted FIFA, for whom he believed to be corrupt. He labelled then-president Sepp Blatter and his cohorts dinosaurs. So you're pretty much getting the full Maradona experience in that first little briefing that we had with him. He was asked as well about his his brief but questionable coaching career, to which he he wagged his fingers and stared down the reporter and said, I'm not going to steal from anyone. If I was called to do this work, there must be a reason for that. There are a lot of people who don't like me, but I sleep peacefully because there are a lot of people who love me. So once the press conference wrapped up, Maradona posed as, as managers tend to do with, with the Al-Wassel shirt or, or their team shirt with the name on the back. And just as he, he stood up on the stage, a group of fans gate-crashed the ballroom. and They started chanting and cheering his name from the balcony that overlooked the room. And Maradona raised his, his arms in triumph and, and nodded to them. As Tarek said, he was clearly in his element. If you can remember, his answers were being applauded by, by some of the, the gathered media there, which was bizarre, but it, it spoke to his personality or, or his celebrity. And one of the many reporters we had covering it for The National at the time, Neil Cameron, I'll read you a quote from his report because I thought it was pretty good. Neil says... It was a fantastic performance, not quite England, the Aztec Stadium in 1986, but none of us in the room could take our eyes off him. If this is how he intends to carry on, being funny, articulate, interesting and unafraid to say what's on his mind, then the next two years should be a lot of fun. So there you had it, the world's media looking down at this stage that we're waiting on on Maradona to turn up. And from behind the curtain, behind the stage, you had Tarek walkie-talkie in hand, trying to coordinate everything, quite a lot of commotion going on to get ready for the big reveal
3: that beautiful white Rolls Royce uh, with an M10 number, which they, like, this is only in Dubai, okay? They would put a specific license plate number on the car. Uh, There it comes, the door opens, Diego Maradona in a very casual uh, T-shirt, you know, short sleeve, uh, sort of like cargo pants, (laughs) you remember? (laughs) And, uh, And he's walking towards me. And I mean, it was surreal, you know? And what do I do, what do I say? Thank God he was very friendly, very humble, very accommodating. I they told him who I am and that listen, I told I started to explain to him that it's a very basic, you know, table with him, his mic, his the chairman. I'm gonna say a few words, and then it's literally going to be the chairman with a few words, and then the stage is his basically. Mm-hmm. And I will wait for his cue, We will take questions and answers whenever we feel that it's in and, we know. and he's like okay. That's all he said. He put it he gave me a thumbs up, and he's like Okay. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. You know, we're doing this. It's happening. And then I remember what happened was he was so charismatic and so calm and so natural in his element, he walked in front of me. He just literally just walked. He realized that okay, there's a curtain, I gotta get behind that curtain. So he just moved the curtain and walked. And I'm like, okay, let's follow Diego Maradona. Yeah. So I followed him and the chairman was behind me. So as we came out, you could hear the clicks of the cameras. So I told him to watch his step, sit down, I put, I gave him his headset, I put, it was on the channel of course that he had to listen to, and he got comfortable, uh, and then I realized, oh my God, the chairman. <laughs> okay, Yes, Mr. Marwan, are you okay? This is where you're located, you know, I have to take care of him as well, you know? Your boss. And, uh, yeah, my boss, my client, my main client, you know? And he sat down, and yeah, I, I got the mic, I, 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 and I started speaking, and, I just realized the amount of lights that are on me on that stage. Uh, it's it's so difficult to be on in such a spotlight, and he does it so naturally, you know. And then um, he took as many questions as possible, and he was so accommodating. And every time I look at him, I'm like, "You wanna, you know, should we?" He's like, no, no, keep going, keep going, and uh, and yeah, and it was fantastic. It was a, a brilliant press conference. I think everyone enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. Uh, the media were very, I think, also appreciative of how it was run I and uh, and that was and that was the first encounter uh, that I had with him
0: okay as Tarek's just described there that was our first glimpse of Maradona at this press conference like no other I, I think it's fair to say you could tell the effect Maradona was having straight away because our friend Ashley Hammond was already upbeat about life which takes a lot of,
1: a little bit of doing sometimes yeah so Ashley was the UAE football correspondent for, for Golf News so he had experience of covering the local football scene pre-Maradona but but obviously this is something that's on a completely different level so Ashley was present obviously at that first press conference but then you have to kind of work out how are we going to cover this, this moving forward and that pretty much fell on, on Ashley's shoulders at, at Golf News so here's his take on coming to terms with Maradona coming into the UAE football scene. It was just massive excitement I mean if Diego
0: Maradona can come to your local football club then you start to believe anything that Elvis could come back and all these sort of things. You know, it's like what's going to happen next it's crazy it's absolutely crazy so yeah we were we didn't know what to expect and there's all sorts of rumours flying around maybe Pele's going to come and manage our NASA or something <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And like before that I would have said no you're mad but after Maradona it's like you have to you really have to check yourself like mm, maybe Pele is coming to NASA you know <laughs> it was crazy it was a crazy time and it was um, yeah, you really had to be on your toes to see what was going to happen next and try and pick out the, the nonsense from semi sort of reality. Right, spoiler alert at this point. Elvis hasn't made a comeback yet. Pele didn't come to Al Nasser, but Maradona did turn up at the local football club and managed it for, well, perhaps not his whole two year term as
1: he, as he was planning to do. And look, basically anything that Maradona says, it's going to make headlines, put it that way. So, his press conferences, pre-match and post-match, they weren't confined to, to you know, Al-Wassel team news or, or, or previews of the upcoming match. It was pretty much unadulterated Diego Maradona. It could have been railing against Pele, which he, which he liked to do quite a bit. FIFA were obviously a, a very big bugbear of his at the time as well. We knew right from that very first press conference and then right into the, the early days of, of Maradona here that it was going to be a colourful ride. Join us for next week's episode where we'll
0: be diving into the eventful relationship between Maradona and the media. Make sure to subscribe to Recorded on your favorite podcasting app to get the latest episodes.